Okay, so today I am here with Mark Khan, and he's going to tell us a little bit about his uh, company and what it is he does. So uh, I was born and raised in New York City. I grew up here, went to Connecticut College. Um, after college, uh, had a stint at Club Med, uh, and then uh, my my job from being a scuba diving instructor and a water ski instructor was uh, to be in the newsroom at CBS News during the Gulf War, uh, doing the overnight desk and weekend news with Connie Chung and um, CBS Sunday Morning with Charles Kralt, uh and sort of did hardcore uh, television news production uh, for a spell, which was quite a change from, from the days of Club Med. Um, and then moved to the News Corporation, you know, Murdoch's little company, um, and spent a good period of time there in a variety of um, marketing and business management positions, um, mostly in the interactive space. But at that time, the early 90s, uh, pre-TCPIP and web-based technologies, it was uh, Delphi Internet Services and CompuServe and Prodigy. Um, News Corp actually was sort of on the cutting edge at the time uh, insofar as they purchased Delphi Internet Services Company, which was the second largest ISP in the United States at the time. Um, and, you know, all, all ASCII-based interface and, and pre-GUI anything. Um, uh, and they really put their toe in the water um, well before the, the whole industry was going to explode, um, probably a little bit before they should have. Um, but I spent a, a spell there at Delphi and then um, American Sky Broadcasting in the corporate development group, um, a interactive games company that they had bought called Kesmai, which was the leading multiplayer games uh, business around, which was uh, subsequently bought by Electronic Arts. Um, I was one of the early employers at iVillage, um, now part of NBC, um, mm -hmm. uh, and then went back to actually the News Corporation after um, being at iVillage uh, and spent a variety of um, my time in, in mostly in the corporate space there um, for about another four years uh, and then left to join a paid search network called Miva. Um, at that time oh, yeah, it was called Find Miva. I did. Um, I, at, I think when I started it was called Find What and then merged into Miva. I looked after their corporate development uh, activity which included the acquisition of eSpotting which was the largest second tier paid search network in Europe, um, a company called Comet Systems, which um, uh, has a Comet cursor. I don't know if you remember uh, the Comet cursor. That was kind of spyware stuff, isn't it? Um, you know, when we had looked at that acquisition, we did a lot of due diligence, um, obviously as a public company, to buy what would be perceived of as a spyware kind of engine would not be a good thing. Comet actually really did practice best practices in that business. Um, and today, actually, they're uh, still through screensavers.com. They're, they're one of um, Neva's fastest-growing um, businesses and a big partner of Google, and I think it's partly because they, they sort of stayed on the right side of the law when it came to sort of spyware issues, while many others didn't. Um, but I think they kept their head above uh, the crowd in that regard. Um, so I looked after all these, these acquisitions that, that Miva had made in a pretty short period of time. It ingested $200 million worth of you know, six companies, uh, probably bought too much too fast, and so the integration was difficult, to say the least. Um, 
I then moved to run their business development group, which was the whole distribution network of Miva, um, which was 2,000 partners in the United States and a similar footprint in Europe. Uh, and sort of out of that experience, actually, which was being in the middle of um, advertisers on one side uh, and lots of them, 25,000 plus, and lots of distribution partners on the other side, um, and Miva being in the middle of, of these two sort of constituents that really had no visibility into the other side was really the, the foundation for our, my thinking and the partners who started traffic uh, in terms of um, sort of turning that model on its head and, and creating really an open and transparent marketplace where buyers and sellers could, could interact with one another. Um, so after four years of Miva... Oh, so you're uh, saying that it was kind of going through FindWat and Miva, so being in the middle of pay-per-click where it's a non-transparent marketplace is what um, tended you to want to help create an open marketplace? Uh, I mean, I think at, at the heart and soul, that's exactly it. Um, you know, my one of the partners in the company uh, in traffic today ran the ad sales group, and you know, he would joke, you know, not so jokingly, um, but, you know, where's my Geico ad or... Geico just called and said they were on, you know, a site for insurance fraud. And I'd say, okay, you know, I have no control over that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was, it was the frustration um, and the total inefficiency that, that sort of I had seen firsthand uh, between advertisers and publishers that was really the nexus for saying there's got to be a better way to do this. Um, buyers and sellers need more control of... Um, the buying process, they need more efficiency in the process, um, and they ultimately need more transparency in the process, which was really what traffic was meant to do. Um, and so with that kernel of an idea, uh, it morphed into you know, a business plan of, of some sort, and uh, we were successful in closing on an initial round of funding back in September of '06 for $7 million, and away we went. Now, I mean, this is a space that's obviously become hot because there's been all these acquisitions that have happened. There's a, a bunch of marketplaces starting up. I'm a little bit naive in the area of marketplaces, so maybe you'll help me understand that a little bit better. Um, but isn't this just like jumping on the train of a, of a hot market and a hot technology, and you know, it's, but it's already filled since all the acquisitions are done? Um, well, when we originally started, uh, many of those acquisitions hadn't been announced. I mean, it's been a hot market insofar as the advertising market in general is a hot market and has been for years and years and years as new players figure out new models that work in some way. Um, certainly, more recently, there's been a lot of sort of you know interest in in the notion of an exchange or in the notion of a transparent market. And um, there are examples of companies that have been bought if it's at ECN by you know, Microsoft or if it's um, you know Google buying DoubleClick. I don't think they bought them for an exchange. They bought them for, um, you know, the power in their ad server and in display media. Um, the problem is that that umbrella word, you know, an exchange or a network, really does cover so many things. And so um, we get lumped in, if you will, with sort of anything that's under that umbrella, um, which is one of the challenges for, for a startup company um, with, with a new model is to um, let the market know how we're different and you know how we serve our constituent audience in either a better way or a more efficient way. Um, and I think when people actually look under the hood and sort of see how traffic works relative to Ad ECN, which is a great business and you know has obviously value to Microsoft, it's fundamentally a very different business, um, even though it is an exchange. 
than what traffic is. Well, maybe could you could you help me understand what what, what was it that Microsoft bought, and 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 what is it that you guys do that is different? Well, Microsoft bought um, AdECN. I have no idea what the price was, but um, AdECN is an exchange uh, between um, basically ad networks that become members to AdECN. So other ad networks of different sorts, like Advertising.com is an ad network. Um, and then um, you, you basically buy impressions on an impression-to-impression basis, um, and you bid into that market. So really, they're they're aggregating a lot of feeds, right? Which are ultimately blind feeds into a single point, and then um, you're buying into that into that feed aggregation um, by saying setting your your bid price, whatever that might be, and then they'll serve you an ad from a feed aggregator that meets your bid price, um, which is Remnant which is a good model, but a very very different one. I mean, it's it. I'm sorry. Is it remnant inventory or branding inventory or both? Um, you know, I'm not uh, looking to to, to uh, uh, sort of disparage anybody's business. And when you when you sort of put remnant next to a company's name, it, it tends to do that. I mean, we don't really think that there's remnant inventory per se. I mean, remnant inventory is inventory that really didn't get sold directly, and therefore they call it remnant, which is probably not a very good word to use. And the way you can you know you can fill inventory on your page that you can't sell direct by bringing in ad feeds, right? Whatever ad feed that is. If it's a display feed, you know, by CPX Interactive or, or Right Media, or if it's a, um, a paid listing feed by, by Yahoo or Miva or Google. Um, and that, you know, you could say is remnant inventory, and it's, providing, it's provided um, to fill that inventory by some third party that just gives you an ad feed. Um, and that's really the model that that traffic is is not trying to pursue. Um, that's a blind blind model, and and remnant generally means very low CPM rates or CPC rates, um, or at the end of the day, effective CPM, what you generate on that page in total. And you know, you could be generating ten cents to two dollars, um, but you're not commanding the kind of higher CPM rates that you get from a transparent market where you have visibility and control into what you're buying, when you're buying it, um, what the creative is, what your out clauses are, um, who the seller okay, is. So you're more looking you know. at, and, and this, so this is where your interest is then, in, if for, for T-Mobile wants to advertise and then they can go into a fairly transparent marketplace and, 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 and pick, pick things. They go in and it's basically self-serve media buying. Would that be more accurate? So instead of having the vagueness of people behind it, it's, it's more open and they can go in and pick what they want. I think that's a really good description. I mean, it's, it's very much of uh, um, a buyer and seller controlled environment where anyone can come to traffic. Um, they have visibility into uh, who the sellers are and potentially who the buyers are through a feature called request for listing where buyers can come in and say, here's the traffic attributes, the, the media buy that I'm looking to make. Um, seller, please let me know if you have inventory that meets my buying requirements. And the buying and selling activity um, is is matched in the exchange, and then deals are obviously consummated between buyers and sellers if the prices are met, you know, and agreed to by both parties. Um, and traffic serves as a big dating service between buyers and sellers, and it's built upon the sort of fundamental premise that 
um, traffic and what buyers are looking to buy and what sellers have to sell um, is some combination of geography, right, um, what category you're in. So U.S. traffic in the health category, my audience is mostly male, my income levels of my audience are X, um, uh, the age group of my audience is Y, and then that those attributes go deeper and deeper and deeper to add unit size, frequency capping, flight based. We'll you know keep on going down that that sort of attribute tree, and whatever combination of those attributes you've got to sell or your buyer is looking to buy makes up your traffic profile, right? And that traffic profile is ultimately what you're buying. And hopefully, you as a buyer who know your market um, are buying the best traffic profile that converts best for you and, and the products or so services. Let me, so let me ask them. I mean, because um, the model that I'm more familiar with, and I'll, I'll use this example maybe a few times during this, is uh, with Spark.com, uh, with Drew Curtis, who I've spent quite a bit of time talking with him about his model and how he's handling his stuff. Um, mm-hmm. He he's worked with Federated Media, who have been handling his um, media sales. Um, mm-hmm. He's worked with Guerrilla Nation, and now he's working with Maxim. And it seems mm-hmm. to be working quite well with Maxim. I mean, Drew's a picky guy, um, and quite rightly so. I mean, he, he deserves to get top dollar for his inventory. Yeah, are you familiar with Fark.com? Um, it's why do I know? Because Federated is actually a partner of ours, and maybe that's how I had heard about them. He does. Um, he does about a million, million to two million pages a day. It's, um, it's just, it's kind of offbeat news stuff. Um, mm-hmm. It's, I mean, fark.com is the site. So he, um, he's now working with Maxim, and that seems to be working reasonably well. It seems like one of the key attributes is that Maxim, as a company, has um, similar types of relationships with ad buyers as as Drew has on his site, and so therefore they're able to leverage those relationships. And handle custom buys, um, and then I talked with uh, Aaron from Gorilla Nation, um, which we just published yesterday. And in his mm-hmm. interview, he talked about how they do um, specifically very much custom deals, the ones that are hard to put together. Um, where do you fit in in between the Gorilla Nation business model and then the Fark.com business model? Well, I mean, in many ways, we're really an enabling platform for them. Um, uh, you know, traffic is is very much of a an efficiency tool for buyers and sellers, um, and certainly a marketplace at the end of the day. Um, but it, at its core, I mean, it's there to put together you know custom media plans for buyers, or to be downstream of an RFP, or in our case, we call it an RFL, um, uh, for sellers to get their inventory in front of the right buying audience. Um, so, it, from what I understand about their model, which is not very much, but from what I think I discerned, is we would very much be a, a, a good venue for them to to buy and sell. Um, and I think actually, I know Federated is on traffic today, so um, they may in fact be using it. I don't know. <laughs> so does that mean? Does that make sense? Um, I mean, traffic is an ad enabling platform. Sorry, I'm sorry. No, I was, just, I, was saying, I just wanted to make the, the distinction that traffic is really an ad-enabling platform. Um, it's, not a, it's not a blind network. You're not, you don't come to traffic and sort of sign up and get an ad feed. Um, think of it more like a futures market, right, where I go in and I say, um, here's the inventory that I'm looking to sell for this period of time, which is exactly the way that 
say sellers sell today, right? They put out a media kit, they call up somebody and they, at a buying agency and they say, well, I've got this package that I want to want you to look at buying. We think it meets your client or yourself, you know, spot on. The same kind of thing on, happens on traffic. You know, sellers put up inventory into the market and, and buyers request inventory. Um, it's just a very efficient way of going about it as opposed to, you know, fielding, you know, innumerable calls or, you know, going out to 10 lunches. It's, it's a, it's a enabling platform that, that gives the control back to buyers and sellers where I think in today's market, I mean, we've seen it firsthand where buyers and sellers, well, first of all, the buying process is, is terribly inefficient, um, today in the sort of direct, you know, non-automated world. Um, and the selling process. Who, what, is, I, what I want to understand here is who do you actually work with? Do you work? Is, do, you, do you work with FARC and therefore you get tagged put on FARC's site, and so then T-Mobile can come into your site and say, "Oh, there's this space available on FARC. We'll go and buy it." Or does Federated Media go and put the tags into FARC and they place stuff, and then Federated Media puts the inventory out on on traffic, and and then T-Mobile comes and buys it? Or how does who do you work with directly? Well, we work directly with with the buyers, be them direct buyers or buyer aggregators or media agencies, right? And we work directly with publishers, be them you know large publishers like I know Yellow Pages, White Pages, who are both on traffic, or um, Hachette Publishing, or any any large publisher that has lots of inventory, or a small publisher that has a little bit of inventory. Um, we provide uh, when a when a deal is consummated, i.e., a buyer bought some block of inventory from a seller. Um, traffic provides all the ad tags um, to to serve the ads. Um, if the buyer or seller wants us to serve the ads, or we integrate with third-party ad servers and track against those those ad server um, trafficking, trafficking reports. So, so T-Mobile, let's say if this was having, let's use the, the FARC.com example. So T-Mobile wants to buy on FARC. They would actually go and they pay you. They would give you the, the creatives, and then using your tracking tags generally, that, that would then be, um, or using your ad server, that would then be displayed on FARC's side. Is that right? Yeah, that's right, except for they don't pay us. Um, but, I mean, they pay, they pay us to pay the seller. There's no fee for buyers on traffic. Um, so... Buyers can come and participate and make buys through traffic at no fee to them. Um, we we charge a commission on the sell side, but that's exactly the process. A, a buyer would come to, to traffic, maybe put up a request for listing, say I'm looking to buy you know this particular type of traffic. The the traffic matching engine would would identify sellers that meet the traffic buyer's requirements. Um, the two then correspond through the system. If a deal is struck, then a uh, contract is set. There are certain parameters in that contract, be them out clauses as an example of one, um, which are set by buyers and sellers. So we're not setting those clauses. They have a choice of, you know, two-day out clause, three-day, whatever it might be. Um, creative is loaded into our system on the on the buyer's side, and then we, we traffic the ads to the seller, or we integrate the trafficking of the ads with the seller's ad server. Do um do they leave? Is I mean, so it's an eBay style marketplace. Do they leave feedback for each other, like on eBay? Um, that's a great analogy. It's it's really and you know um, when I could probably look at the first business plan, which probably in there had something that said you know it's eBay meets the Nasdaq for 
online advertising. Um, there is a whole um, user recommendation um, environment as well. So, yeah, you can um, both comment on the quality of buyers and sellers. Um, one of the reasons why we have that feature also in some degree came out of my experience in the sort of blind network world where the network tries to police itself, which is incredibly difficult and not at all possible. Um, we felt that a better model was to have the exchange police itself by the participants who are on it. Um, so you can flag somebody as a bad seller or you can flag somebody as a great buyer. Um, and the quality of, of the traffic they're selling um, can be made available to the market if, if they want it to be available. So one thing that's worth mentioning is the way the buyers and sellers list inventory on traffic is completely at their discretion. So they can choose to say as much or as little as they want about what they're selling or what they're buying. Um, and we have very sort of good data, which, and this is probably not at all surprising, but the more that you tell the market what you're selling, the higher the CPM price you're going to get. Um, it's no wonder when somebody says, you know, I'm a site about health, and that's it. Um, or maybe I'm a site that has lots of, you know, a large male audience that nobody's going to pay a premium for for that kind of buy where there's very little visibility into what they're buying. So um, there's a direct correlation between the more information that um, a seller provides to the market, the higher the CPM price can go. And that if very little information is provided, it sort of has the appearance of a blind network, and therefore it commands what you might call remnant pricing, right? In direct response marketing, there's the, the adium or the, the saying that uh, the more you, more you tell, the more you sell. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with that more, and, and we have hard evidence to, to prove it. And, and really, that's what we're trying to combat in the world of blind networks, which is why blind networks are filled with remnant inventory. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's just this blast of a continuous feed that's completely blind, and you don't know what's going on. And, and you know, we've done a lot of buying on many of the networks out there, and you can get, you know, inventory for... 10 cent CPM or 20 cents, and, and you're getting exactly what you're paying for. You might be getting, you know, IP addresses from um, Bulgaria or who, who knows where you're getting China, from. China, yeah. um, um, But and, what and, you're selling, and, what you have in your marketplace, it's very, it's not like NASDAQ. I mean, if I buy 100 shares of IBM, I get a hundred, you know, it's, it's a very, it's a commodity. It's, it's clear what I'm buying. Whereas on, with what you're selling, um, I mean, it, well, firstly, so let me ask, what are the types of inventory you sell? As I understand, do, do you do banners, pop-ups, display? I mean, what, what kinds of different stuff? And, and how? It's it's because it's all so different. I don't understand how that works. I guess. Well, I mean, you, uh, just to just to what you said about when I buy IBM, I'm buying a commodity, um, and you know what you're buying. Um, what you're really buying in IBM are the fundamental performance of IBM, you know, what its earnings growths are, what its, you know, its cost of capital is, and all the sort of the details, right, behind what give you an idea of what the value of that stock is, right? Mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a very similar way that you should think about traffic, and I mean traffic spelled with a C, not with a Q, when media buyers are buying traffic, they're looking at the same combination of attributes, but albeit in the traffic environment, not the 
the stock market environments and not the company's performance. Um, but it's not not necessarily because let's say I'm buying on Fark.com, for example. If I have a banner at the very top of the site, that's worth a lot. If I have a banner at the very bottom of the site, that's going to be worth a lot less. So even though it's around the same same company, same issues, same fundamentals, um, you know, uh, effectively a thousand pixels difference in positioning makes a massive difference in what you're buying. Well, that's a great point, and that's why um, on traffic you can transact. You would ask what what ad type. Um, we're fully IAB compliant, so all of the various IAB um, standard ad formats and sizes. Um, we also support, you know, static ads as well as rich media ads or video ads. But what you just said is, the, is really the key. An ad placement above the fold as a leaderboard ad is going to command a higher CPM rate than, you know, potentially below the fold. And that may, may or may not always be the case. Some advertisers actually, um, I've seen this firsthand, some advertisers feel like they get a better performance of an ad at the end of an article, so well below the bottom of the fold, because a reader is inclined to have finished the article and maybe then made a purchase decision or, or then looked at an ad. But on traffic, you, you, you specify where your ad unit is. And in fact, you know, if you went to traffic right now, you could look. Um, I don't know, are you, are you online? Um, I mean, I'll just, some, sometimes the easiest way to do this is just to take a look. But if I go to traffic right now, mm-hmm. I can see that the average, um, this traffic market activity as of today, it looks like the average CPM rate on the exchange is about, I don't know, call it $10 there. Um, if I go into browse listings, which is the top left um, nav button right there, mm-hmm. And, and so that for anyone looking at the site, is traffic, T-R-A-F-F-I-Q.com. And we're going to right. the browse listings, which is in the top left-hand middle. And so I'm, I'm showing a listing of uh, 583 matches, and the first being Western, 300 by 250. Is that, is that for you as well? Uh, yep. 55 okay, so just, just roll over that I, that info button right there, and you'll see the, the, the ad unit itself has popped up, and you can actually see exactly what the seller here is looking to sell, that it's a four, it's a 300 by 250 above the fold, right? Um, he's mm-hmm. looking for a unit price of $8. He has a one-click buy price of $10. So the total price is 10000 for a million impressions. Um, so th- by doing this kind of display positioning like this, this is how you kind of commoditize it a bit so that the buyers can go through and very quickly see what it is they want. Is that, is that correct? That's exactly right, and you'll see that filter, you can filter the listings by category, ad unit size, age, gender, educational level, household income, geography, ad position, order size. Um, so, yeah, you can drill right down into what you're potentially looking to buy, and you're in the non-logged-in uh, traffic environment, so in terms of open and transparent, I don't think you can get really more open and transparent than this. If you were logged in, you could also see the buyer requests, the requests for listings, as a member of the exchange, right, as a registered participant, um, if I'm selling it within your message and alert center, you're getting updates as to who's making bids and offers in your system, in your, your particular you know, message center. Um, and deals are consummated within the exchange all the time just between buyers and sellers interacting. So I, maybe that makes, I hope that makes a little bit more clear insofar as we're not in the middle of these transactions. We're not you know, pushing an ad feed to somebody and saying, here, take this feed. 
we're providing a market where buyers and sellers can come. We're providing tools. We're providing data. We're providing um, technology insofar as the ability to help match buyers and sellers. And like with a dating service or like with, with you know, a stock exchange, we're providing the infrastructure to enable the exchange of that transaction. Right, I, guess, so, I mean, it, it seems pretty clear. You, you really, it, it seems very similar to it's an eBay for for advertising, for selling advertising. It is sorry. very similar. <laughs> right. it really, it really I've got is. a lot of questions um, for you, so um, let me let me shoot through a bunch of questions if I may. Yeah, please do. Um, I hope, by the way, I'm not um, I'm not talking too much. I, I sometimes do that. No, it's, inter- it's it, What you're saying is is just spurring a lot of interesting things. So I've I've got like tons of notes here. I want to ask you them all. <laughs> um, what um what, what kind of percentages do you charge people? Well, how how, how what, how's the model? Who so the buyers do buyers get on the site for free and then you just take a percentage of sales? Like, are there any kind of monthly fees? Like, how does that all work? Okay, so there's yeah there's no fee for buyers, so buyers can participate with at zero cost to them. Um, there's a fixed seller side fee of thirty percent. So um, and we. We provide ad serving for free if you don't already have ad serving. So you can sort of think about that in your cost structure because ad serving costs potentially, you know, are anywhere from, you know, five cents CPM to two dollars CPM, depending on what kind of, you know, units and, and the amount of ads you're serving. Um, and from time to time we offer programs. Right now we're offering a rebate program to buyers of, uh, 10% of their buy. Um, we're putting together a buyer, um, similar to a buyer mileage program, so there'll be an accrued credit program for buyers to accrue credit and basically traffic um, credits towards their buying activity. Um, in terms of just the market, what the market pays, and when you hear that 30% on the sell side, it's worth mentioning. Think of you as a publisher going to a blind network um, or a network and what you're doing is you're selling the network your inventory, right? So you're saying, you pay me something from that ad dollar that's coming in. So you're selling them that inventory. What, what a network calls that is a rev share, right? Mm-hmm. So they'll say, we'll give you 50% of the dollar that we get from the advertiser. Um, rev shares can be as high as I'll take, I'm the network, I'm going to take 70%, you're going to take 30 which flip that on the other side. That means that I sold you that space, right, and I only took 30%. Yeah, yeah, no, um, I get it. I mean, that's, that's you get it, we know right? the federated so, media and all those guys take a percentage, so that's clear. Um, why then, I mean, is, is, are you trying to, why does federated media work with you? Because then federated media takes their 30%, you take your 30%, the publisher gets a lot less. I mean, effectively, are you saying that this could negate the business model of federated media and Guerrilla Nation as publishers come to sites like yours and work direct? Um, I don't think that businesses like Federated Media or Guerrilla Nation will ever go away. They're, they're always going to be aggregators who serve a purpose. Um, I think you know, there'll be more cases of people going direct through through exchange models like traffic and others that provide you know an efficient tool for them to reach a larger buying audience. But I, I don't think it's it's going to be at the demise of um, these these aggregator reseller businesses at all. 
Um, and it ultimately, it'll all depend upon what the effective CPM you get out the other end is. Because as a seller, if I got 80% of a dollar, you know, that's, that's, that's not as good as getting 20% of $20. So, um, it's not always, and really the, the rev share or the commission is, is not ultimately the most important factor. It's really what the effective yield to me as a seller will, will be. And we think, yeah. our model is, that um, ultimately higher yields will be drawn from, from transparent markets um, that are buyer and seller driven, um, and our technology around helping to match buyers and sellers through, through the matching engine, um, and ultimately our yield management tools will provide the ability to command higher CPMs, and that's the game. I mean, it's all about so, effective and So there's no, there's no cost. Um, for buyers, there's no cost for sellers. As a seller, if I'm a publisher, I can sign up for free. I just, when when you find me inventory, I pay 30%. And do I do you collect all the money then from the advertiser and then send it to me less 30%, or do they pay me direct and I pay you? Um, no, we serve as the clearance house, if you will. Um, and often, you know, with our with our buyers, we provide credit terms like like most people do for agencies. So most agencies, you know, require credit terms, and most large direct buyers as well. Um, so we have a credit process, and then we collect the money from the from the buyer, and then we remit the payment to the seller based upon what the seller delivered on. So as an example, let's say I'm a seller, and my I'm selling a buyer a million impressions, and I only delivered on nine hundred and fifty thousands. Well, you're only going to get paid for nine hundred and fifty thousands, not a million. And so we serve as, you know, a clearance um, provider, and we either default to the the reporting system of the seller, or if that's the ad server that they were using, or ours, and we track discrepancies and pay accordingly. And there's always, and, and this is completely common, it, there's always going to be a discrepancy between buyers and sellers, always in the tracking, um, you know, the sort of, Industry standard range of acceptance is sort of that 5% range where a seller says, well, I saw a million impressions and you say I saw a million fifty thousands. Um, and in many cases, you know, a seller will say, I'm selling, you know, I'll sell you my, my May inventory run of site, you know, a million impressions and I don't know, my users disappeared for the month of May and I only did 600,000 impressions. Um, so what do you do in a situation like that? I mean, you're effectively the cop in between buyer and seller. Uh, well, we're the reporting engine between buyer and seller. Um, we pay sellers based upon what they delivered. We're really a buyer advocate in that regard. I mean, we're, we're not going to charge the buyer for what they didn't get. So a seller says to the market, here's what I have to sell. If I underdeliver as a seller, well, that could hurt your performance rating. Um, it could hurt your quality scores as a seller, and you're not going to get paid on what you didn't deliver on. Um, sure. So what happens if I bring to you some kind of, like, um, freaky, unusual ad unit that no one's ever heard of before but, you know, can work on my site? Um, it'll deliver huge value to T-Mobile, but I'm the, I'm the only one that has this particular inventory on my site, and I want to sell it. Can, can you handle that sort of stuff, or is that a custom deal outside the network? Um, that would be a custom deal outside the network. As long as it's IAB compliant, I think there are 28 ad unit sizes. I'm not sure the exact number, but in that range. 
um, that we handle. Um, if it's outside of that IAB standard, then it would be a custom deal. And you don't you don't support that at all, and no, and no one's making a marketplace for that sort of stuff. Um, we we don't support it. Uh, I don't know if anyone is. It would be a tough sell because both parties are constrained by ad serving technology that that is set around these formats, these industry formats. And sort of if you go out of those formats, there's going to be issues on both sides of the fence. Um, and generally, you know, the, generally the person who controls the deal is the buyer. Um, we're very buyer driven. You know, if, if there are buyers, sellers will come. Again, that's very similar to the eBay model model as well. Um, so, I'm pretty certain that if you know if a buyer said, "Well, sorry, we're not going to make that buy because it's not compliant and we have no ability to track it," the seller will generally change their mind. <laughs> if you know what I mean? Right. So, I mean, if if I said, for example, well, I'm I'll change the logo on my site. Like, let's say your logo on your site's traffic. I'm willing to change that over to T-Mobile, but it has to be pink only. So that's sort of outside the parameters of how normal stuff works. That, w- that wouldn't go through traffic. That would be an unusual buy. And so what you'd hope is that T-Mobile could convince me to do it in the normal way and, and then put it on the site properly. Um, well, well, that example is interesting because traffic does allow for sort of carve-outs between buyers and sellers. So a seller can stipulate certain things and a buyer can stipulate certain things that they require. Um, not, n- not necessarily about the ad unit itself, but you know, a buyer can say to a seller, I'll only make that buy if you change the color of your background page to pink. Um, and if that is agreed to, then it's part of the compliance of the sale. Um, does that make sense? So there is, yeah, and, and so you by do the have way, some extra t- conditions that can be built into a sale is what you're saying. And that happens all the time. Like sellers might say, you know, this inventory is available for sale, but um, no buyers in the in the telecom space are eligible because who knows? Maybe he has an exclusive deal with a telecom provider. Hmm. Okay. Um, why do the ad units expire? Um, because all ads are run on flight dates. So much like today, you know, I'll buy run of network for the month of May or I'll buy, you know, for this period of time. So everything is around flight dates, which is exactly the way that traditional direct sales happens uh-huh. today. You know, you buy a, a, a period, whatever that period might be. Because the inventory space is expiring because it's being bought on a certain date. Right, right, I get it. Okay. That's right, right. Um, okay, and so how? And so, by, by the way, you you may you may extend your flight date to cover the inventory. You know, you're selling a million impressions for a week. You only made eight hundred thousand. You'll extend it three days to cover the million. Fair enough. So, how is what you're doing different to Right Media? Um, I would say that the two uh, exchanges again or networks that are the most similar to Traffic's model are AdBright and probably Right Media. The difference with Right Media is Right Media is a continuous auction. So as opposed to our model, which is buying units, right, in a futures market. So with Right Media, you get an ad feed. Um, and again, not to disparage Right Media, that's not my goal, but 
you would see that Right Media has a lot of remnant inventory. In fact, now with Yahoo, it is it's a Yahoo remnant exchange, for lack of a better way to describe it. I mean, it's filled with Yahoo inventory and it's filled with CPX Interactive inventory, and it's it's a continuous auction. AdBright, on the other hand, has more of a transparent model and allows you to bid into um, blocks of inventory that are based upon some set of attributes, which is much more similar to our model. Hmm. You made me think. All right, this is very interesting. <laughs> um, what about make goods? Do you, how do you handle that sort of stuff? Do, 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 does that ever happen? Uh, it happens all the time, and that's the case where, you know, I, I've sold you a million impressions for a week. Um, we paste the ads, so you don't want to your, – your ad server doesn't want to deliver 800,000 or a million impressions on day one, right? You want to deliver an equal amount, hopefully, over the course of the campaign. If you're under-delivering, our system notifies you of under-delivery and notifies the buyer – and provides an option to extend or make good on the transaction by extending the flight dates. Whether the buyer agrees to that, that's a different story. They cannot agree to it, but they have the option to agree to it. Okay. So, okay. And again, that's very, uh, just, to, just again. to reiterate, that's very similar to the way that it happens in the direct sales world. I'll call my rep. He'll say, hey, I'm looking at my tracking report. It looks like you're under-delivering. The sales rep will say, listen, you know, I know... Are you willing to extend it? Okay, we'll extend it. Everyone change their ad tags. That's the inefficient way to go about it. Our system automatically makes that happen. Okay. Um, hey, again, on the comparisons, um, I, 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 I've talked a fair amount with Frank Adante with what they're doing with the Rubicon project. Um, are you familiar with, with those guys? Uh, a little bit, yeah. How does, how does what you're doing either fit or compete with uh, Frank Adante? Oh, I, I don't want to speak out of turn. I don't feel like I know enough about it to really, to really opine on it. Um, maybe you can tell well, me. Well, I mean, I can tell you some of the basics that I understand. Is that he, he's, it, I guess his is more a system for remnant inventory where you put his tags on the site, he'll test, um, they'll, they'll start testing the traffic, they'll run some offers against it, They'll see how it performs, and let's say if you've got a, a specific type of traffic that works really well, that gets that gets high CPMs, you'll start to get more of those sorts of ads, um, and they'll keep testing until they find what works, and they're, they're looking to aggregate all of the remnant inventory all over the web. Um, I guess that the answer is there that you're not targeting remnant type stuff at all; you're targeting branded type advertisers. Yeah, and so, I, yeah, understanding it that way, that model is very different than ours, um, though a good model, and there are lots of, I mean, there are other examples of businesses that provide that where, like CPX Interactive or even Advertising.com, they'll provide an ad feed, and then they'll optimize that ad feed based upon the performance on your site, and they'll determine what's good and what's bad. Hopefully, they're trying to figure out, you know, how to deliver the highest CPMs that will convert at the best rates. Um, and in many ways, that really is the antithesis of, of the traffic model. Um, again, this is buyer and seller controlled, so we're not getting in there and saying, you know, take this ad feed or we'll sell you this ad feed um, and then we'll optimize against it. 
traffic allows for optimization through through the exchange features that it provides. We're not sitting behind going, you know, let's let's turn the knob here or turn the knob there. Um, which really, I mean, to be honest with you, again, it's sort of the reason why the premise for why traffic was born was we don't think, at least in our model, that that the network should control the destiny of the publisher. Um, without naming names, one of our strategic partners had said, you know, a big publishing house. They, they, they've been in the publishing business for years and years and years. Um, they don't think that all of these networks should be in the business of telling them how to run their business, which is their business is an advertising business. They've had relationship with advertisers for many, many years. They understand the advertiser. They understand what converts well for them. They understand how to package their inventory. They're not really interested in sort of the new kid on the block telling them that they can do it through an algorithm, if, if that makes sense. Correct. Yeah, fair enough. Um, can you t- maybe talk a little bit, of, just to give us some, some indicators on the size of the business? I mean, you talked about the raised $7 million. Um, can you talk about what kind of revenues you're at now? Are you profitable? Who are your clients? What kind of volumes going through? Um, sure. So um, we made the raise. We spent 12 months building the platform. Um, we came out with uh, what I would call a controlled beta at the very end of the summer of 07. Uh, we went into open beta at AdTech in November. So we've been in the market, if you will, for November, December, January, February, so three and a half months of sort of in the market. Um, we're at about nearing 2 billion impressions on the exchange, um, uh, about 1,000 buyers and sellers, and it's pretty well uh, balanced between buyers and sellers, you know, not 500, 500. impressions, but is that per month, or is that what you've done in, since you started? Two billion impressions that are available on the exchange at any given time for buyers and sellers to transact. So that's okay. the, that's like what? How many SKUs do I have up? Or you know, eBay? How many products? That, that's in essence the the amount of inventory that's in the exchange to, to right now, right? And we grow at about 20 million impressions per week, meaning there's 20 million more impressions of listings going up on the exchange every week, right? Okay. And the growth of buyers and sellers is been pretty even in terms of buyer and seller activity and growth. And we're signing up, you know, call it 25 buyers and sellers a week. Um, for the most part, our buyers and sellers are right today. They're what you might call a buyers and sellers. Um, you know, you can go on traffic and look for yourself in terms of who the sellers are, but they include, you know, e-diets, yellow pages, white pages, the Drudge Report, um, Time Out New York, TV Guide, and the list goes on. I mean, you can just peruse yourself. Um, and on the buy side, mostly A buyers. I mean, all of the major media agencies, the media buying agencies, um, we are now just starting to go after, if you will, the 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 B community, the the smaller agencies, the smaller direct buyers, and so we're starting, we're seeing a lot of take up there. In terms of financials of the company, we we're not talking about financials right now because we're right in the middle of a Series B financing round. So um, the business is pacing as we had hoped. 
Um, we are not profitable, um, but don't have any plans to be right now. We're very much in an investment mode, uh, and we'll probably continue to do that for, I, I would say, at least the course of 08. How much are you looking to raise in your Series B? Um, it's uh, somewhere in the 15 to 20 range. All right, okay. And so where, where do you expect to be? I mean, based on the current growth, where do you expect to be, uh, say, January 2009? Um, we expect to be a business that's generating about, uh, in January 2009, um, we expect to be doing about $3 million a month. Um, we expect to be... Cash generate $3 million a month profit or revenues? $3 million a month in um, gross revenues, mm-hmm. um, cash flow positive. Um, how it falls to our bottom line happens in different ways, but a cash flow positive business, $3 million a month in run rate and growing. If we grow as we're growing now, call it 20% a month growth rate. Um, Probably in the order of 5,000 participants and probably in the order of 20 billion impressions on the exchange at any given time. Hmm. What about remnant inventory? Is there any space in that for your stuff or is it you're going to be focused around the, the A-list branding, branding side? You know... It, it's, we've had a lot of what you'd call sort of the, the remnant inventory aggregators sign up for traffic. Um, it's a hard model for them to play in because if they don't have clear visibility into where the ads are going to appear in terms of what site and the specifics, as I showed you, um, they can certainly list on traffic. The question is, will anyone buy from them? Um, we have not seen, and if you look at traffic right now, you'll see there's very little, you know, 50 cent inventory, 30 cent inventory on there. I mean, there's some, but there's just very little of it because it's a hard model to work on traffic. It just, because we force transparency or because transparency is rewarded, if you will, on traffic, somebody who is managing a, a remnant inventory stream or themselves are saying, well, I'll sell you, I don't know, my daughter's photo album checkout page or whatever it might be, they're going to command very low prices because, you know, at the end of the day, the quality will be seen. But what about uh, that sellers? What about buyers of remnant inventory? Um, Well, I mean, the buyers will only come if there's inventory for them to buy. So it's sort of, you know, somewhat of a cash-22 if there isn't sell-aside inventory, there's no reason for buyers to join. Though, we have seen, and this is... Um, but with that said, I, don't I mean, AdBright is, is, uh, is remnant inventory. I mean, AdBright is remnant inventory of publishers, the buyers, then buy. I mean, that, that's all it is. I don't think there's any branding on AdBright, is there? Um, I think that it is very much a home to buy remnant inventory. Um, we often say, if you look at sort of the sales effort of a site, right, the first... 30% or 40% is sold direct, right? And even if you took, you know, major publishers, they might say, you know, we sell out 100% of our inventory in the month of 
December, but on an annualized basis, if a publisher, small, medium, or large, is selling 30 or 40%, that's pretty good, direct. Once you go from direct in today's market, your only choice is, is a remnant ad feed. That's your choice. You go to a, you know, it goes from direct sales to ad operations. And CPM rates go from $20 to 50 cents. And, and that's a really steep drop off and it happens just overnight, right? Um, traffic by design and what we've seen is it's a platform to extend that direct sales reach, right? So if we can eke out if you're selling 30 today and our exchange and the marketplace allows you to sell 5% more on a direct model or 12 or 6 or whatever it is, any incremental dollar more at that higher CPM rate because you have a larger market audience with more buyers and sellers. I mean, any direct sales guy has their 20 contacts or their 50 contacts, whatever the number is. Here, you've got 500 buyers that are looking to buy inventory today. Mm-hmm. Um, in an ad-enabling environment. And so if you extend your direct sales opportunity by any incremental dollar, any incremental percentage over what you're doing today, that's an absolute win for you because after that, it goes to remnant. Um, And that's what we've heard back from publishers. Yeah, makes sense. Um, We're pretty much out of time. Is there anything that we haven't covered that you'd like to talk about? If you want to take a few minutes um, to tell us something else, feel free. Um... Well, I mean, we covered a lot. I mean, I've, uh, having been at a big publishing company, News Corp, and then at this, you know, second-tier search network, um, it's it's really, it's actually for a startup company that's, you know, really a technology company, um, building good technology is, is tar- hard and it takes a long time. I think we've been really happy with... Um, the development efforts that we've put into this platform and where it is today. And the take-up in the market has been astonishing. I mean, we've, we've grown so fast in such a short period of time. Um, and, you know, we're hopeful that it will continue. Uh, but, but it's clear that traffic has a role in this market. Um, how big or small it is, you know, is anyone's guess. But... Um, we certainly see a bright future. Cool. Well, um, thank you very much for making time for the interview. I appreciate it. It was very nice to meet you, and uh, I look forward to meeting you when you're in New York personally.